Welcome to Today on Broadway for Wednesday, February 15th, the day after Valentine's Day. Uh, I hope everyone had a great day, no matter what they did, (laughs) whether they were by themselves or not. I am uh, Broadway Radio's Matt Tamanini. It's true, and I'm arts and culture writer Ashley Steves. Ashley, um, woo boy, there's a lot to discuss in today's show. It's a big day. Big old day. Literally the show, or literally the, the topic that I thought was going to lead the show today is last because yeah. so much else has happened today. Broadway so was g- like it's a day of love and we love throwing news at you in Yeah, heaps. but some of the the first story that I thought we were going to lead with is the opposite of love. Um that that sure. will we'll, that will save to the end of the show. Um but if you want to hear all of our episodes and you love us as much as we love you, head over to patreon.com/broadwayradio broadwayradio.com/patreon. The first story that we are actually going to start the episode with Okay. It's something that we've talked about before. I don't remember if it was you and me. Actually, it might have been me and Grace. But we first heard about this, at least officially in public, through a Page Six article. Ah, and yeah. then, And then I had mentioned that I'd heard something similar. But it was confirmed on Tuesday that Jujamson Theaters and Ambassador Theater Group are combining their efforts. Now, the Page Six article had originally said that Jujamson was looking to sell the theaters to ATG. I had originally heard months ago that Jujamson was uh, maybe talking to Amazon about selling them their theaters. I, I knew that wasn't oh, going right. to happen. Yeah, I forgot about that. But we, at the time, what I said was, is like, I, I don't think that's going to happen, but it's additional smoke to the fire that something is actually potentially happening. And it now looks like we know smoke what to that the fire. is. That yeah. notable so, phrase. Smoke on the water. Yeah, exactly. Um, where, where there's smoke, there's fire is what I was there alluding we to. Just, we just all, we combined all the idioms. It's fine. Well, just like Jujamson and ATG exactly. are combining. Yeah, you knew it. It yep, was all but, planned. Yep. So uh, that, that was an official statement was announced on Valentine's Day. None of the financial details about how much money is changing hands were announced. But what that means is that two of the five theater owners of commercial houses on Broadway are now merging yeah. into one, assuming all of the you know specific regulatory approvals happen and all of those kind of things. But what Surely that means will. is, which I'm, yeah, it's fine. There's billionaires involved. They'll figure it out. Um Jujamson's five houses, the Al Hirschfeld, the August Wilson, the Eugene O'Neill, the St. James, and the Walter Kerr, will now be merging with ATG's The Lyric and The Hudson. Of course, the Ambassador Theater Group and its parent company, uh, International Entertainment Holdings Limited, are huge owners over in London and around the West End and throughout the UK. So they have a ton of theaters over there and just those two on Broadway right now. But of course, when these two companies combine, they will end up having seven. Seven, yeah. Jordan Roth, who is obviously the current president of Jujamson, will become the largest individual shareholder in this new company that is being formed. Um, Roth will sit on the board and serve as a creative director. Mark Cornell, who is the current CEO of ATG, will become the CEO of this new venture. Um, we talked about this in the past, like when we originally discussed this, like, I don't know what this means in terms of what changes will happen, but there will right. undoubtedly be changes just because Jordan is known for having a little bit more in uh, involvement in the creative process, not only in picking yes. what shows come into his theaters, but also like in the actual creative development. I mean, he is a producer in his own for right, obviously, correct? The son of an iconic theater producer as well, Daryl Roth. So whatever this means in terms of the business side of things, it will 
certainly have some sort of impact, even with Jordan staying on as a member of the the board and the executive team. Like this will change. And Jude Jamson, uh, um, the Ambassador Theater Group's house is so far in their just still pretty infantile run in terms of not in terms of quality, but like in their short no, run as a Broadway theater owner. Like yep. they are often limited run shows with big stars or in terms of Harry Potter, like a major IP thing. (laughs) So it's like they, they often have very different conflicting artistic approaches, even though, um, obviously the Walter Kerr was the home to like the Bruce Springsteen thing, but like that was a, you know, for Bruce Springsteen, who is like doing a major, um, arena tour this year, like that was a pretty intimate <laughs> artistic endeavor. So I, I don't know what the specifics will be and how this will all shake out, but I do think that it will have some sort of, of influence, most likely profound in some way or another sure. about what ends up coming to Broadway, whether we know it or not. It's one of those things like, we won't know what would have happened if they would have stayed individual companies, um, but there will be changes. And in some form or another, something that will come to Broadway wouldn't have come to Broadway the other way. And then vice versa, something that never would have come to Broadway in the previous incarnation, or at least not in the specific house that it did, um, sure. will end up in one of these houses. I think it's really interesting. And I'm in the same boat that I don't think I'm smart enough to really understand all the implications of it financially. Uh I do think it's really interesting, especially as something that is so prominent as far as Ambassador goes in the UK and all of these UK shows that we've had mm-hmm. transferring, especially lately, what that's going to look like creatively and what shows get mounted over here and how different that's going to be. Um, like you said, Roth tends to be a lot more hands-on, but I mean, that could also be the case as far as there's uh, mm-hmm. currently two houses on Broadway for Ambassador. Uh so it could just be hands off as a consequence of not having as many theaters and therefore shows running. But yeah, really interesting. I, th- I'm, I'm tentative about it because the combination of two major groups means that we have even fewer, mm-hmm. <laughs> fewer, more uh, consolidation, yeah. more consolidation, but fewer individual voices producing work on Broadway. And that's obviously a major negative in my book. And tell me, tell me if this is a surprise to you, the two people that will be leading this organization, Jordan Roth and Mark Cornell, both white guys. Oh, what? I know. Shocking every day. Yeah. Yeah. Let me pick Uh, my jaw off the floor before we continue. What's interesting to me is that in my uh, day job, uh, talking about streaming companies and these big major media conglomerates and how they are trying to navigate the changing landscape of what entertainment is, especially in, in streaming and theatrical. Yeah. You know, it is now called Paramount Plus yeah, with sorry. Showtime. Yeah. Paramount, but that's what I mean. Paramount with all of these plus premium it's show. Ridiculous. <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous. Yeah, the dumbest name in history of anything. But. What I'm the the connection that I'm seeing here is that we we're obviously seeing this consolidation around both streaming and now with theater with these theater companies. But one of the things that you mentioned, Showtime, they are completely reconceptualizing what Showtime is and trying to build it around the idea of franchises based on their specific yeah. IPs. Mm-hmm. With that's like Dexter in Billions, they have like five different Rip. spinoffs of Billions in the works, uh, mm. and they're going to do a, a bunch of stuff with Taylor Sheridan's expanded yellow. Stone universe. So I wonder, though, as you're talking about the fact that we've had so many of these um, London-based shows end up transferring over to, to the United States, I wonder if we will see some more of like 
run we, we see so many of these shows transfers but i wonder if we'll get a shows announced in the uk being like it's going to open at this ambassador theater group show uh, theater in in london and then as soon as it's done it's going to transfer to this ambassador theater group show, uh, theater in yeah. new york so like i wonder if there will be um some corporate synergy that happens because of these things um we're certainly seeing it in other aspects of entertainment i would not be surprised if we see something like that happen in the theater yeah. community as i feel well. like it's incredibly likely yeah all right, let's move on to something that is – here's something that I know is likely. I will be sitting my butt in the Helen Hayes Theater this Correct. spring. Correct. <laughs> I was already going to happen. We've already yeah. talked about how much we yeah. are excited about the highly Thanksgiving Highly anticipated. Play. Very highly anticipated. I mean yes, – Personally, and now even more so. Are you kidding me with this cast? So second stage on <laughs> Valentine's Day gave the theater community and all of us TV-loving theater fans – a huge Valentine with the announcement yeah. of the cast of the upcoming Broadway premiere of Larissa Fasthorst's play, The Thanksgiving Play. In the cast, we have the the great and the good Emmy Award nominee Darcy Carden yes. from The Good Place and A League of Their Own. I am looking at my Funko Pop of Janet right now. I love Darcy Carden. Yeah. But it also features two-time Tony Award winner Katie Finneran. Of yes. course, coming just a week after the passing of Burt Bacharach, she, of course, won one of her Tony Awards, I believe her second Tony Award for Promises Promises. Then we have Scott Foley, TV's Scott Foley, if you will, who has been a mainstay on TV for decades at this point, most recently of Scandal. And then two-time Emmy Award nominee, and lest you forget the original Hermes in Town Off-Broadway. Yeah, I did Chris forget Sullivan. to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah Chris Sullivan, also known as Taserface in the, in the uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe from the Guardians of the Galaxy of course, franchise. yeah, obviously they will be, I know him from. I, I also have his Funko Pop as Taserface. But, but this show will be getting, pre- be beginning previews on March 25th at the Helen Hayes Theater with an official opening night on April 20th. I mean... I, I don't have words for how great of a cast this is. Like, I'm if you're going to so cast, excited. <laughs> yeah, like it's a mix of theater people and TV people, but like w- there are people that that cross both of those. But like the cast yeah. is insane. And These this people is Darcy's are so Broadway good. Debut, which is exciting it is. in itself. Uh, mm-hmm. Never mind how much we adore her as good She's place stands. Yeah, and and but she also has like. Uh, is it UCB or second stage background? Yeah. Uh, so it's not like she's a, a stage no, performer no, 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 novice, no. but absolutely fantastic. And interestingly enough, a few weeks ago, I mentioned the fact that Joshua Molina was coming to Broadway in Leopoldstadt. He has, yeah. uh, of course, worked very closely with Scott Foley. They were both on the show Scandal. So I saw um, Josh doing as he normally does. Throwing out some banter on Twitter for his <laughs> uh, former Scandal co-star and soon to be Broadway running mate. Love it. I also love the thing, just kind of like as a side note of when we, whenever we see opening nights, we always see like the friends of whoever oh my uh, are starring in the shows. Like we just had pictures from home and because Nathan was yeah. there, we had Steve Martin and Martin Short and Matthew Broderick and it just filled my heart up. You know, we're going to see some good place reunions happening when Dude, Darcy's give me on some Broadway. Kristen and Bell, I cannot some wait. Kristen Bell. Um, Ted Danson, give me some. Oh, uh, William Sinko. Jackson Harper, maybe just say, yes. oh man, Jamila Jamil, who was just on a great episode, a theater focused episode of uh of Poker Face on Peacock. She was great in Ooh, that with yeah. with Tim Meadows and Ellen Burstyn. So, nice. anyway, let's Exciting. move on. 
This is our uh, Jerry Mitchell segment of the show. First, sure. it was announced that Broadway-bound musical Boop, exclamation point, the Betty Boop musical, Boop. will be having a <laughs> Boop, a six-week Boop. limited engagement uh, this fall at Chicago's CIBC Theater. It will run from November 19th through December 31st. It'll be directed and choreographed by Mitchell with a book by, I mean, we love him, Tony winner Bob Martin. And music by Grammy winner David Foster and lyrics by Tony nominee and person who sent us a very nasty email after one of our Tony episodes a few years ago, Susan Birkenhead. Um, Ah. (laughs) Yeah. This has been a show that has been in development for a long time. Uh, At one point, um, David Foster's IRL wife, Kat McPhee, had been doing a lot of the the stuff. But the most recent readings they had in New York, which seemed like they were actually getting it ready for production, starred Jessica Vosk in the role of Betty Boop. Mm -hmm. So no uh, official casting has been announced at this point. But the show will... Cast a black woman. Yeah. I mean, we've talked... I think we talked about this last time we talked about Betty Boop. Like, even though, like... In the cartoon, she is very, she's pretty pale. The character itself was based on a real life mm-hmm. black woman who I don't remember the name off the top of my head, but uh, you might. But uh, it probably should be a woman of color if we wanted to kind of get uh, back to the historical roots of the character from the early 1920s yeah, and 30s, absolutely. I think. All right. So that is not the only Jerry Mitchell story in our show today. In fact, it's not the only Jerry Mitchell sh- story that has roots in Chicago because Chris Jones from the Chicago Tribune is reporting that Jerry Mitchell will take over the production of The Devil Wears Prada, and it will have a London production following its Chicago pre-Broadway engagement last year. In Chicago, it was directed by Anna D. Shapiro, who is, of course, the artistic director of Chicago's Steppenwolf Theater. After that, that run, which was pretty roundly panned by critics... Mm-hmm. Um, John was so busy with the Tammy Faye Baker musical and his final North American concert tour that he said he didn't know when the next time they'd have an opportunity to do that would be. At this point, it looks like whenever that is, and there is no time associated with this with this report, but it will happen in New York. No note if Beth Level or Taylor Amon Jones will be a part of this production when it makes its its opening across the sea, but. Uh, of course, in addition to Elton John writing the music, lyrics will be by Shana Taub, the book by Kate Weatherhead, um, and choreography by James Alsop. I'm rooting for this one, not only because I love Beth I Level and too. Taylor Amon Jones, but Shana Taub and their well and Kate Weatherhead. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So Ugh. I don't know. I mean, Jerry Mitchell has had a really good run of shows in uh, in London, his style of kind of, and I don't say this in a bad way because <laughs> look, my love for his work on Legally Blonde knows no bounds, what? but like his, his kind of like glossy, schmaltzy, um, you know, over the top shows play really well there. Not only did Legally Blonde have a much better life totally. in the West End than it did in New York, uh, Pretty Woman is a huge hit in New, in, in London where it was yeah. pretty panned, um, in New York City. So like, I feel and like this might be. A- so. You and I saw it together. That was actually, I yeah. think, the first time we'd ever met That was the first time we met person, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> went, but, went from lunch to watching Pretty Woman, which was not yeah. good, but still. It was not great. There were things about it that I enjoyed, but um, sure. but the show overall wasn't great, but it's doing very well over there. So like, I feel like taking Jerry Mitchell, putting him in charge, which I think we talked about the fact that like a lot of script doctors and show doctors had been brought into the Chicago production. Jerry Mitchell was one of them. Um. But it makes sense to kind of do this over there, a little bit away from the eyes of Broadway critics, although it'll have certainly plenty of critics over there. But, like, it kind of makes sense 
Jerry Mitchell in London usually works out. And yeah, exactly. A hundred percent. But I'm rooting for, I don't know what to expect. I, I'm glad mm-hmm. it seems like it's kind of at the point where they have more time to work on it. Maybe I'm hoping that means that there's <laughs> been some work done on it from everything we've heard, but I guess we shall see. I want it to succeed. I love Me Devil too. Wears Prada and I love everyone attached to the show. So yeah, fingers crossed. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, real quick, since we're running a little late, we have a ton of news, and I've got one more story I want to get into. I will run through last week's Broadway grosses really quick. Overall, Broadway was down one show, and it actually only dipped 2% in the grosses to come in at $23,064,393. Total attendance was also down 2% at 192323 Overall, leading the pack, of course, was... The Phantom of the Opera. Despite the fact that it declined almost $192,000, it still came in at $2,425,002 buckaroos. It was followed by Funny Girl at $1.8 million, Hamilton at $1.72, The Lion King at $1.6, and MJ at $1.57. The rest of the shows north of seven figures in descending order were Wicked, Moulin Rouge, Cursed Child, Aladdin, and Juliet, and A Beautiful Noise. Down at the other end of the scale, the show... Um, at the bottom of the ladder was the collaboration. Of course, though, it only played seven performances in its final week on Broadway. Next up was Between Riverside and Crazy. Then we had Pictures of Home, uh, Pictures from Home, but of course that show opened last week, so there was a ton of comps included in that. Kimberly Akimbo, still the lowest grossing musical on Broadway. I have a feeling that this might have a little bit of an effect like um, Gentleman's Guide to Love and Murder, where when we start to hear about nominations, more people will figure sure. that out that this is the show to see this season, yeah. and it and will also hopefully the cast climb. recording just came out today, too. Today, yep. Yeah, which should help. Yeah, absolutely. And then Leopold Stott still doing really well for a, a, uh, for a non-star driven show, although there are names, of course, involved, but it's been running for as long as it has. Yeah. But it, it came in at effectively $695,000, which is not bad. All right. So here's. I mean, this makes my head hurt. Here's the story that I thought we would be leading the episode with last week. Playbill published an article by friend of the show, Ah, uh, Margaret Hall, um, about kind of the escalating abuse of various kinds against front of house staff in Broadway theaters. It was super well received on the Internet, including the fact that all of the ushers. Yeah, all of the ushers that were named were given aliases that were the other orphans from Annie, which was yeah, very I loved funny. It. Very cute. It was a, it was a <laughs> great article. It was super well well written. Not only did it show what a great reporter and writer that Margaret Hall is, but also Correct. the fact that uh, Deep Tran, who is now the editor in chief of Playbill, is trying to do something different with that uh, mm-hmm. that publication, which has been yeah. around for a century. Excellent However, editorial work going on there now. Uh, we'll see. Um, uh, Deep is doing it. We'll see if that continues, though. Oh, but, yeah. Um, but very quickly, that article was scrubbed from the website. Anything, Within any hours. links that, yeah, very quickly. If you clicked on it, it basically said, sorry, we can't help you. This is article is gone. Are you looking for something else? Now, the Daily Beast of all things has gotten to why that actually happened. A- apparently, it came from oh. the top. Playbill CEO Philip Bursch, um, admitted that it was him who pulled the article. He said, quote, we want people to go to the theater. This piece exaggerated the issue, in my opinion. I'm a numbers guy. I know numbers. I know that the overwhelming <laughs> numbers of people at the theater are having an enjoyable time. Fascinating. Oh 
So yeah. apparently, Philip Bursch first grew concerned by this after his 22-year-old daughter raised the issue with him, which is fine. It's, I mean, he might not see everything that happens on the site. I don't want to blame his 22-year-old daughter who showed him the article. Who I do want to blame is the Daily Beast article says after his daughter raised the issue, quote, that was followed by several industry figures who he declined to name. I will let you read the Daily Beast mm-hmm. article. Um, Bursch said that he is hoping to have an edited version of this article back on the on the website by the end of the week. Here's the problem. I worked in uh, in theatrical media with obviously a competitor of Playbill, at least in the digital side of things. Playbill has a lot of other businesses that Broadway, mm-hmm. Broadway World doesn't, obviously. So I can tell you from firsthand experience, there's not a lot of journalism that goes on on, on any of these sites. And the reason is very simple. The money's not there to do it. The money comes sure. to these sites because they are being paid directly by the people that are covering them. I was the advertising manager for Broadway World. Our clients were most part, not all the time, but mostly Broadway and off-Broadway shows. So if you are saying things in an article that makes those people angry, it becomes a business decision. That's the numbers that Philip Burst should be talking about, not yeah. the percentage of people who have a good time. It's the money that you could potentially be losing if Broadway shows and off-Broadway shows no longer want to spend money on your publication because they feel like your articles are um, are, are potentially hindering people from going to the theater. It's an absolutely bass backwards way to look at things, but it of is the way the, that the these business. digital organizations do that. Would it be great if there was a completely independent news outlet that could cover theater in a way without having to rely on money from the industry that is covered? Of course. That's and not going to happen in its wants, current model. Yeah, and right. if anyone wants to fund it and start it, I will be happy to contribute with every single – And this is someone who's written for uh, everything but Playbill. Yeah, many. Yeah. Uh, it, first of all, Playbill is in essence a trade publication and it is serving yeah. exactly what it's supposed to do. I will say if you are bringing on someone who is coming from a journalistic exactly. background and you know this person's work, which is investigative and does these deep dives and you say, mm-hmm. this is the person that I want to lead my publication and my editorial, then you should be, ex- <laughs> you should anticipate what comes of that, including a piece like this, which I didn't see the thing in the Daily Beast. I obviously read the original. Uh, feature, which I thought was great. And I'm sorry, bang on. I have been having a miserable time at the theater lately. I can't imagine what ushers are going through. And I've seen a lot. I have seen people who are just, you know, I, I was talking to a friend about it the other day who works on in the film and TV industry as like a first director and was wondering, she's only been to like three Broadway shows since the pandemic. Um, and has seen a little bit during that time, but otherwise doesn't really understand what's going on because I do think like film and TV side has been a little bit more aggressive and stringent as far as like their post pandemic guidelines go. But it is a thing and I feel like people genuinely have forgotten how to act. And like, I have a good amount of sure. empathy and sympathy for that because we were all inside for a year and a half, but at every show, it's something. People have gotten bolder. They didn't really have anybody to tell them otherwise for a year and a half. And like, I was at a show two weeks ago where someone was eating like a full ass meal in the orchestra. I have people who yeah. are constantly like 
rifling through snacks and wrappers and talking and on their phones and texting oh and ushers. And I'm just like, this is the kind of article that needs to be published to kind of aware, make people aware of that. I don't think that's negative against the industry. No. I think it's negative against the audience. And I think if you can't recognize that and see that it's kind of pointing a light inward at what's going on within the industry, that's not specifically about the industry. There are so many articles that Playbill could publish about the state of the industry and the things mm-hmm. that are going wrong with it inside of it to do it more so about the audience and you see a problem with that like i don't know what to tell you i mean these industry people that contact birch like do you really think that this article is going to turn people away more than the actual bad behavior that happens in the theater that the article is talking about like that's what's going to piss people off use this as an opportunity to to start enforcing your rules. One of the things that that article talked a lot about was the overwhelming increase in the amount of alcohol that is being consumed and served oh, yeah. and where people uh-huh. can, can, can drink it in the theaters. Like that's probably a part of the problem. So look, there's going to be a and lot think, of conversation about this. Yeah. Go ahead. I think ahead, part finish. of that. Yeah. I think part of that and what I see as someone who is almost always in the orchestra on comps is I think part of that is that people it's, it's about them. <laughs> the play is about them. Like all this bad behavior that i see is happening in the orchestra and the people that are saying no 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 no, you can't publish that the piece is about them and their bad behavior so of course they're not going to want that exposed either because it 100%. hurts them yeah it's just uh it's a really unfortunate situation and uh, i sympathize with the people who have to make these decisions in terms of like the money and what you can and can't publish i saw this not necessarily to this extreme but i saw this with my own articles that i wrote at broadway world that People got taken down. It wasn't for these exact same reasons. Um, but a certain person who, as I've said many, many times on this site or on this, on this podcast has become my best friend. And I think the absolutely best person to lead the trade organization for all of Broadway's shows. Um, that person who will remain nameless, but I'm sure you can (laughs) figure out who that is. She got an article pulled that I wrote because she didn't like it. Yeah. Yeah. So I think we've all had articles or at least parts of articles pulled. And I mean, that's the business, but again, that's a thing of like, if you're commissioning people or hiring people and you know what their work is, you should be expected to see that work. Yep. All right. That's all that we have for today. Thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Broadway Radio. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BWW Matt. Ashley, where can people find you if they are so inclined? <laughs> you can find me on Instagram at No, This Is Ashley. All right, everybody. Have a wonderful hump day, and we'll be back to talk to you tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs>